FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 8.13 on this Monday morning. Today is the 25th of July. And in studio with us this morning from the Rutherford County School System, the new school director, and that is Jimmy Sullivan. How are you this morning? Doing great. Thank you for having me this morning. Well, definitely. And Dr. Sullivan, for those listening, remind us, when did you actually start office there over the director of schools position? Uh, officially July 1st, so going on about four weeks, three and a half weeks right now. So so how's it going so far? You like it? Yeah, it's going great. <laughs> well, going good. Great. Now, we are one of the fastest growing school systems in the entire state of Tennessee. In fact, I know I've heard you talk about before how our school system size and the amount of growth we have each year, well, that growth alone is about the size of most school districts. Yeah, the state of Tennessee has uh, about 147, 146 districts, and they average somewhere between 2,500 and 3,000, and we actually added 2,100 kids last year from August 1st until the end of the school year. That's a lot of growth, and I'm sure it's forecasted to continue. It absolutely is. We're interested to see what happens this year. We're expecting a lot more growth as well. Um, last year was kind of a misnomer, we hope. With adding 2,100 kids, usually we add about 11, 1,200. So we're we're hoping not to add 2,000 this school year. Do you have any idea yet as far as about how many are expected to sign up for school or who have already, I guess, signed up maybe towards the end of last year? Yeah, we're expecting over 50,000. What is unique, of course, for Rutherford County as part of our county overlaps with Murfreesboro City, who we have a great relationship with. But it's we truly wait to see how many of those students enroll here over the next couple of weeks. You know, that overlapping of the city of Murfreesboro, who does primary and elementary age students, and then Rutherford County, do you ever foresee Murfreesboro merging with Rutherford County schools? You know, that's always uh, something that's discussed quite a bit in meeting with um, Dr. Duke the last couple of weeks. I know our vision right now is to make sure that both of our school districts are supporting our county the best that we possibly can. Again, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan with us this morning, the new director of the Rutherford County School System. And I know just before the past director uh, was officially, I guess, out, we should say, a 5% pay raise was approved for the county school teachers going into this upcoming school year. And 5% amounted to, you know, 2000 to $3,000, I would say, for most teachers out there. Right. That's something we're very thankful for our school board and also our county commissioners for funding our budget. Something we have to continue to look at as we move forward. You know, we neighbor some of the, the highest paying district with Metro Nashville. Of course, we are not Metro Nashville. We have strengths that make us a a little bit different, but we also have to make sure that we're ensuring that our educators and all of our staff, not just our teachers, have a wage that they can be, that they can live off of. Uh, We are starting a salary study that we will be working with our school board and some third-party vendors as well to look at not just our district, look at neighboring districts, and then also look at some of our staffing that isn't necessarily educators. So once you take a look at all the different salaries and you find out the breakdowns of other nearby school districts, is there any chance that the pay here could go down or would it only go up? No, it would only go up. What we are looking at uh, specifically is next year, the state has announced a huge funding formula and so TISA is a new funding formula for us. 
we anticipate receiving extra funding for that to be able to supplement some growth, supplement some of the programs, but also supplement our employees. Now, most of the, the money that comes into the Rutherford County school system, is it coming directly from the state at the state level? Is it coming from the federal government or is it coming from different local levels like Murphy's Bros, Smyrna and Laverne? Yeah, we um, have a split actually, and so that that split is going to be there. So we have a, an index that we received that's based on your own district's ability to pay. We are a pretty fortunate district that we are able to pay for quite a bit of our education, but we're somewhere in that mid 52, 48% split uh, to where most of it comes from the state, but the local is right there as well for just about half of it. And I know there's been some rezoning done over the last school year that I guess officially takes effect, what, this school year for the first time? It does. We also have a grandfathering, and mainly it was the high schools that were rezoned. So if a student was uh, in one of those grades that was moving up, if they can provide their own transportation, that they were able to stay. And really the biggest jump that we saw was Rockvale and Riverdale. And so we have an idea of students that have said that they're going to either stay at Rockvale or move to Riverdale. That changes a little bit based on who actually uh, provides transportation in August. So that's a little bit in flux as well. Uh, again, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan with us this morning, the director of the Rutherford County School System. Now, going back to that pay study, when you look at the different districts all across the state of Tennessee, are you looking at city school districts, county school districts, and other towns? What what all are you actually going to base the the final results of this pay study on yeah we're actually going to uh, looking at using a third-party vendor for that because we realize we're educators and even though we have a human resource department we we're ultimately educators and so what they're going to be looking at is not just our local district city districts but also cost of living all those different factors that are involved in that salary and i've heard on different news reports some towns are even providing housing course the teachers have to pay for the housing but it's at a lower cost than whatever you know typical rent goes for in that city is that something as wild as it sounds is that is that something that the county is ever going to look at i think we have to look at everything uh, never in a million years did i think that we would be offering different signing bonuses to to teach at different schools usually districts can do that with some federal funding but as far as looking at that from a a district perspective, you know, I think everything is on the table at this point. I think cities and towns all across the U.S. are becoming more creative in their hiring because of the fact that, well, for example, here in Rutherford County, our unemployment rates around 3% or mm -hmm. less, and it continues to be that. But when you have unemployment that low, it makes it that much harder to find new employees. It absolutely does. And meeting with the chamber a couple months ago, they talked about our employment rate being below 3%. And once you get below that certain threshold, you really are to the point of, you know, those individuals for whatever reason are probably choosing not to work. It's not that they can't find work. It's that they choose not to, they're retired. And so we are really banking on our employees that we already have and then people that are moving to this area. So have you had the chance to talk to some teachers who may be retired and they're coming back into teaching again? Yes, we are. We, uh, we have quite a few teachers who were either thinking about leaving or even we have some that did leave and then the state of Tennessee allowed them to teach and still get part of their retirement and then take their normal salary this year as well. Another thing I know that the county schools are doing, they are looking at those who are in different work fields who are not teachers by trade, but yet they can become teachers in the Rutherford County school system. And I guess they earn that, that the teaching license. Yeah. And that's something I did uh, want to hit on. So thank you for asking. You know, there's been a, 
a belief that just because we have people that may not have a teaching background, that doesn't mean that they're any less qualified. Um, they have a, they must have a bachelor's degree, just like a teacher would, where we're filling in as they may have the content knowledge, but we're teaching them the teaching strategies. And so that's really what your difference would be. Uh, they're going through our system. They're still evaluated the exact same way. So they are going to be, they actually are licensed teachers. They just have a different teaching background. I'm a traditionalist, so I got my background in teaching through the traditional method. But that doesn't mean that there's not other ways to do that. You know, it, it seems like, if anything, this is an opportunity for the county schools to find those who have, let's say, worked in the in the real world business side of things for the last 10, 20 years. Maybe they always wanted to be a teacher, but they never saw their self maybe in that income bracket, but they've made enough over the years to actually decide to retire from whatever field they're in and then go into teaching. Yeah, a lot of it goes back to what a, perpen, what a person's purpose is going to be. And so when you're looking back and you're, you're doing that job in industry and you don't feel like you're giving back or your, your needs aren't met individually, where a lot of those barriers were, were going back to school and having to pay tuition for two, three years, having to worry about going back and do your student teaching placement to where you're not going to be working. Our Rutherford Teach Now program allows that same person to go through and not have to have those experiences um, because we're teaching them after school and on summers and they're already in the classrooms. So they're not having to do that teaching experience, and, student teaching experience. And what kind of results have you seen so far with the, the hiring of those who may be in other fields? Uh, it's been phenomenal. The first couple of years, we kept it small cohort-wise, usually between 15 or 20. Um, this last, we had two open houses. We had more than 80 people in the community attend both open houses. And so to have 160, 170 people show up to show interest in teaching, even with the national narrative you hear, and local narrative about the problems with education to have that many people show up shows truly how uh, important this community views education and again with the unemployment rate being as low as it is i would say 160 folks coming in who are interested in becoming teachers is a, is a good number amazing yeah we were we were not expecting that many we we're we we're very thrilled with that so moving on a little bit where do you see rutherford county schools in the future because i, I know and this has been discussed many times on this show there is a need for more concrete, you know, mortar buildings, school buildings. Right. I think there's a couple of things. One, we have to continue to look at buildings. We also have to look at our zones. And so we, our school board has looked at using a, a group to look at our school zones. Uh, we do have open seats in our zones. What we want to make sure that we are not doing, though, is that we are rezoning kids every two to three years. You know, that, that's what we've been doing. Some families, my neighborhood, for example, has been rezoned high school-wise three out of the last four years. We owe it to our families and to people that move we may have to rezone but we owe you at least two or three years four years to be able to stay in the same school zone so you're not constantly moving you know if we think back to ourselves as children if we were ripped out of our school every two to three years that wouldn't be good for us not only our education but us as people and i'm sure parents don't like it either Absolutely, because yeah. there's siblings yep. that you know they're thinking and banking on well my child is going to go here and then after he graduates his little sister is yep. going to go to the same school I already know the teachers I already have a relationship there and that helps i think mm -hmm. in in the world of education and part of that's inevitable as big as we are um, but we also owe that to our you know our school board members we're in a partnership um, I'm their only employee, and my job is to help protect them as well and to make sure that we are doing things that we are not continuously having to rezone to put that public pressure on them from their constituents as well. And I know you said that one of the schools that had to be rezoned was Rockville High School, which is a school that really just recently opened. Correct. I think it's the newest high school for the it county. Is. Yeah, it absolutely is. We had to rezone, and our, going into our third year, we had to put 10 portables there just because that growth explodes, which which does happen to some degree. You know, you build a school. 
and then usually infrastructure builds right around it and in that area we had Riverdale, Blackman and Rockvale who unfortunately couldn't really handle some of that growth so we didn't necessarily have an overflow port for it. And in that area of Rockville on Highway 99 I know there have been lots of new neighborhoods popping up one almost directly across the street from Rockville High School. Yeah absolutely and it continues and that's something that we we are looking at that's why we are looking at the additions at different places for our high schools especially Riverdale so that we can try to take some of that overcrowding off because you would have a, a high school in Rockville that be able to hold 23, 2400 and then have Riverdale that could hold 2500. Blackman's already 22, 2300 being able to capacity. Again with us this morning, Director of Rutherford County Schools, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan. We are going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll get to some questions that are texted to us and folks can text us at 615-893-1450 and we will be right back. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Do you know somebody who has moved far away and is missing eating at Demas's? Well, Demas's Family Restaurants now offers many of our sauces and some of our food, such as pot roast and soup, to be shipped all across the nation. It's very simple. You just go to demasfamilykitchen.com and you can send an order to anybody as a gift all across this nation. You can send an order to anybody. Go to demasfamilykitchen.com Hi, this is Dan with Music World and Drummer's Den. I'm the guitar tech here. We're a pretty well-rounded music store. We have every guitar, keyboard, drum that you might be looking for. Parts are available, strings, accessories. We also have lessons, $25 for a half hour of keys, anything with strings and drums. It's all here, Music World and Drummer's Den. We're your hometown music store. Music World and Drummer's Den, 2762 South Church, right across from Indian Hills Golf Course. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 827. Again, our guest in studio is the director of the Rutherford County School System, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan, newly hired and uh, first day on the job was what now, July? What? July 1st. July 1st. So it was literally... Three weeks just, ago. Yeah, that yes. was not too yep. long ago. Not at all. And again, we're talking about the Rutherford County School System. One question that we do have here, how many, if you could break it down a little bit, how many high schools versus middle schools do we have in the county right now? Yeah, we've got our eight comprehensive high schools, and then we have our 11 traditional middle schools. Of course, we have Holloway, our virtual school, um, Central Magnet. We have various versions of those different grade structures, but those are our comprehensive. So with more middle schools and high schools, is there... I mean, I mean, it seems like that would increase the need for more high schools even more unless those middle schools are not as crowded as the high schools. No, our middle schools are, are definitely just as crowded. Um, we have the uh, last checked still the largest middle school in the state of Tennessee in Blackman Middle School. And then we have Rockville Middle School, who is probably in the top three or four as well. Where we have noticed a huge change in our demographic is that we used to have a lot of growth in the elementary ages, and we still do. 
But as the home pricing has continued to rise in our area, we now are getting more established families who may be moving in with those adolescents or, or young adults. So that's made our middle and high school growth. It seems like the Blackman area and the Rockville area are two of the fastest growing areas. And of course, as you just mentioned about having to add portables already at Rockville High School, it just proves that those two areas are growing at record speed. So there is a need there for another high school in that area. There is, and I'm also very concerned about the Stewart's Creek and Laverne area. Uh, we've had a lot of growth there as well. We have an addition at Rock Springs Elementary. Rock Springs Middle School is growing. Um, Laverne High School sits at over 2,000. And then we have Stewart's Creek and Smyrna High School, who both are on pace. If uh, Stewart's Creek High School will definitely surpass 2,500 this year. Smyrna High School is going to be right behind them. And I know it seems like for the first time, over the last couple of years at least, I've heard the county schools say, we're actively looking for land in Blackman. If anybody has any, call us, let us know about it, which I've never heard an announcement like that before up until, what, maybe three years ago. Yeah, I think that's a, as we've continued to grow, that land has become less and less. And so we've, we continually have to look and, and advertise. The only way I believe that people know what you need is if you tell them what you need. They may not like what, what they hear, but at least information's power. So is that new school needed in Blackman first or is it needed in Rockville first? Usually the Blackman area is probably going to help us a little bit better uh, just because you can pull from, it's more centralized, so you could rezone everyone. And again, I, I just talked about rezoning, but if we're up front and tell parents this is what our zone is going to look like for the next couple of years, I believe that's a little bit more palatable than saying we're rezoning you every two years just out of the blue. And so the Blackman area would definitely be more centralized, so we could rezone north and south of that. But we're not picky. We can make anything work. Another area that is really starting to see some growth is the Christiana area and also the Barfield area out 231 South. Yeah. And one of the things we we have unique needs over there is that we do have city schools that impact us, especially with the elementary and middle school, that zoning does fluctuate a little bit based on, you know, when Salem opened, then we had quite a bit of our students that moved over to Salem. Uh, Dr. Duke is an amazing leader and a dynamic leader, and so when he transitioned into his new role as the director of city schools, we saw some students come back to Barfield, and so we're always looking at that. In uh, our middle schools, we have Christiana Middle, Rockville Middle, Whitworth, at all are zoned there. Now, Barfield Elementary, is that a county school? Yes, sir, it is. It's a county okay. school. And that's right there on Veterans Parkway, and Veterans Parkway, again, one of those roads that is seeing new neighborhoods yeah and i we look at that one and and i know that salem has been overcrowded barfield has gone back and forth between overcrowded and then we also have rockvale the city schools has scales case and lane you know you've got a good five or six elementary schools in that three or four mile radius now when you move out towards walter hill i believe the county schools already have land purchased and uh, that is land sitting there waiting to be built on but is the Walter Hill area growing anywhere near as fast as what we're seeing in more South Murfreesboro? It's definitely growing to say that it's growing at that rate. It's not. Um, if we, you know, we do have land there and that's something we've looked at. If we were to build on that site, then we would probably need to, to rezone everybody north and west would have to kind of go south and east a little bit. But we're getting to the point now we just we need to build to be able to put buildings there so that we can put kids in those classrooms. Now, one of the schools that did see, I guess, an uptick in what the student enrollment is going to be this upcoming school year is Riverdale because of the rezoning out there at, at Rockville. Uh, so with that being said, Riverdale being an older school, is it a school that can be added onto at this point? Yeah, we um, actually have uh, all five of our high schools that we have are in the middle of developing plans and working through the whole approval process of being able to build. 
Uh, we have Riverdale, Oakland, um, Smyrna, Blackman, and Laverne are our schools that we're looking at. Again, the, the Riverdale and then the Smyrna-Laverne areas, and I know that Oakland gets included in that as well, but you probably have to rezone around some of that. Uh, we we have we know that we instead of having necessarily the land the growth adding on to the buildings may be the best avenue, so that's something we have to look at. And we've had a great relationship with our funding body and our county commission to approve some of that already. And what is the next school that is going to be built? I mean, do you have concrete plans in place to actually start another school yet? Yeah, so our five-year building plan is actually approved every year. So we have a, a five-year plan, and that's a, a misnomer that sometimes our community doesn't understand, is that we pass a five-year plan every year, but that other than that next year right in front of you, it can change based on your population change. Next year, it's really just our additions. And so we have those lands, whether it's Walter Hill, Whitworth, the different areas we're looking for land, but right now our focus is on our additions. And whenever COVID hit, and I know you were not the director of schools at that time, but when COVID hit, there was the announcement of a lot of new grants being made available through the federal government. Are there any grants available still today that would help pay for and better outfit some of the current schools with maybe new safety equipment or or maybe even new additions altogether? Yeah, Usually with ESSER 1, so we had several rounds of grants that you could use. Um, the largest amount that we received was ESSER 3, and ESSER 3 was strictly allocated to instruction. And so that would have been helpful if we had that stipulation. ESSER 2 was a smaller amount um, that probably wouldn't have even paid for an addition for us, honestly. And then we go back to that whole thing of, well, if you build new schools, you're going to need to hire even more teachers. And at a time when it's tough to hire teachers, as you know, because you are even recruiting people who are not in the teaching field, how are you going to bring in more teachers once those new schools are built? Yeah, that's that's the unique challenge. And in most districts, they're focused on retention, which we, of course, are as well. But in just our growth, you're looking at 100 to 150 teaching positions each year with adding 2,000 kids that we're having to find, and that number is larger than our local colleges or even producing candidates. And now I know you said that Rutherford County Schools, they are one of the highest paying school districts in the state right now, but kind of give us an idea uh, of how much a teacher just starting out with a bachelor's degree could expect to receive, and is that amount that they receive going to be the same as somebody coming into the school system from a different background, not in teaching? Yeah, so a beginning teacher salary is around 43000 um, Someone coming from industry can receive up to 10 years experience, just like a teacher coming from another district would be able to receive that experience. What is something that I, I definitely feel like people need to understand is that our teachers are paid on a 200-day contract. And so you hear a lot of that conversation around they're paid to be off in the summer. They're actually not contracted in the summer, so they don't receive pay during the summer. So they usually spread that. 12 month or that 10 month check out over 12 months so even though it's forty three thousand, they have opportunities to do things in the summer but we also know trying to find a job for seven or eight weeks is going to be a struggle as well for a teacher to be able to be hired go through that process as well so we've tried to do different things whether that was extended contract whether that was our summer programs that we have to offer them extra funding to be able to earn and over the past couple of years because of COVID, i'm sure you've seen an increase in the number of summer school students so that obviously required more teachers to work during the summer it did and the state actually funded some of that especially at the k-8 level our board was great and we funded it at the high school level as well and so we were able to offer stipends for our teachers to be able to come and, and work with our kids during the summer across the board k-12 and with the current pay study that is being done let's say the study comes back with results showing that well we probably need to have an increase of another two percent come next school year 
Is that something you think the county commission would be favorable on approving? I think it starts with information. So we have to make sure that as a school board, we are showing them our priorities. And that probably starts with our our people first. And so we have to show that the funding that we are receiving, that we are allocating to our staff first, and whether that goes back to a budgeting just starting over and really looking and having that transparent conversation around where can we make savings because we have to be fiscally responsible and conservative with that, but also making sure we're taking care of, of our employees. Part of that also involves working conditions. You know, there was a lot of discussion around student behavior, just the the constant flux and, and unfortunate uh, situations we had around education statewide and nationally. So we have to make sure that we improve those working conditions to get back to making sure we're all on the same page. Now, at this point, is the former director of schools, is he totally out of the county school system or is he still coming in on a, a regular basis up until the end of the month of July? No, I'm in the office and we are working as far we have a good relationship like we do with all of our former directors of schools um, it's important to make sure that we we have that because there's that institutional knowledge that gets passed down um, from director to director to director but it's we're there working together so he's still there no he is not so our, not there. Okay. our office is there working together but he is no longer there no. okay and i know one of the complaints that we heard from mainly parents and teachers as well over the past couple of years was that of problems dealing with bullying and from what i understand there were either there were even problems with bullying to some extent of teachers by possibly those in the admin office and so that is something that being a former principal and being over curriculum instruction i have a great relationship with all of our schools and so we've worked very hard from doing different surveys even in my previous role our instruction team of what are the issues that we need to solve is is with our teachers and what are the things that we need help with and that's just what it comes down to is collaborating to make sure we realize that we're all on the same page ultimately i'm still an educator i'm a teacher Um, i teach adjunct actually just gave that up for the first time um, in about eight years but I still consider myself a teacher, and I think that helps. Um, we're in the middle right now of going around and talking to each faculty over the first couple of weeks. So do you foresee a more content staff overall at all the different schools compared to the way it has been over the past few years? You know, I don't necessarily begrudge any person for that. I think COVID brought that upon itself. It didn't matter what decision you were going to make. You were going to anger somebody. Um, but ultimately it comes down just communication and leadership style. And my leadership style is very much being involved with what's going on on the ground level so that we can ensure that ultimately my job as a director of schools is I don't teach a kid. And talking about being a teacher, I don't teach a student. So I have to make sure that I communicate effectively and our team communicates effectively and supports our teachers so that they can do the work with our kids. And then when it comes to bullying on the, the child level, the student level, what things are being done now and are there going to be different changes in the future with policies dealing with bullying? So that is what we are going to be focusing on with our parents over the next couple of weeks. I mentioned several times we've had a lot of noise and a lot of a lot of issues just around education in general. So we are going to refocus on our student code of conduct and communicating to parents here's what's expected. Each school has their own discipline or consequence policy. But here's our overall discipline code of conduct for the district and here's what happens if you don't feel like something is being done or you feel like you need to address something with your child just going through and having that honest conversation of getting back to really where we were about three years ago but that wasn't the focus the last two years and uh, we're coming up on that start of the new school year very soon it is in august when is that first day of school and is it the same date for for all the schools in the county it is and that is is um 
an educator some of the most exciting time. And so our principals actually started back July 5th, and then we have kind of a rolling start date for everyone that comes back. Teachers actually come back a week from today, and then students return their two-hour abbreviated day, which we kind of call a registration day, but it is a, it counts as a full school day, is a week from Friday, August 5th. Then our first full day is um, August 8th, so two weeks from today. How important is it for a parent to maybe go into the school, meet with the staff, the principal, the guidance counselor, before that actual first day of school if their child's coming into the district from another area and they have concerns over maybe grades transferring or classes and credits transferring over how is how important is it for that parent to come in early it's essential especially if you're in a situation to where your child may have unique needs or you're worried about grading policy coming from especially moving out of or moving into our district you know ultimately we're when we're getting records it's on that former school to send us and sometimes that can take a while depending on where students from so although we may have to wait on the official transcript from a child from their school if we know the information that's going to help us be able to support the kid from day one and safety is always i know a concern for the county school system has been for years but one of the things that was implemented a number of years back was that whole where you check id whenever someone who claims to be a parent comes in to pick up a student early but what what else is being done what precautions are are being done in order to better protect the children in the schools yeah so that is one that is was definitely needed um so we have those vestibules where a parent comes in and checks in anywhere they have to be buzzed in at the front office and i want to make sure our parents realize that doesn't mean we don't we aren't trying to be welcoming we're just trying to make sure that our kids are safe we're not letting someone into the school and give them access they don't need to Outside of that, for someone to go past the office, they get raptured in. So that means they take their ID, they scan through so we can make sure there's nothing outstanding for that person. Then we're just, again, reinforcing our expectations, not just with our students, but also with our parents. If here's what, you know, appropriate, respectful behavior looks like, even if we agree to disagree, we continue to move forward. Um, and having that conversation with students and then, again, continuing to, to be safe. We had a principal's meeting. Our first principal's meeting of the year was last week. We reinforce that, making sure doors aren't propped, uh, making sure that everything is locked the way it needs to be. We have those automatic locking doors, but we want to make sure that we aren't propping because, unfortunately, that is how some of the events have happened across the nation. And, of course, nationwide, there have been, uh, I would say, a large number of school shootings over the years. I, I think even having five or six nationwide is a large number. But you, you did mention you're going to make sure that doors are not propped open or left open or left unlocked during the school day. And that is probably one of the big concerns out there by parents. It is. And I think, we've, you know, all of us have an experience in being a student ourselves. And we go back to if you think 20 or 30 years ago that you have to worry about a teacher having to keep a, a door propped. You know, that's that's not necessarily the way we were educated. Uh, but that is our reality of what we work with now. And so we have to make sure we communicate that it's. It's just a, a way our kids can't learn if they're not safe. And that's the number one ways that we can control safety is to make sure that we have that access under control. It's really wild how schools have changed so much over the years because, I mean, I do remember when I was in elementary, middle, and high school and a teacher would leave the door propped open all day long on a nice fall day. Yeah, or the, you know, you'd have students go out and check on the garden or whatever you were doing. I grew up in the school district, and so at Walter Hill we would have that. Uh, What's unique is I also see it from a parent perspective. I have two kids in our school system. And so that it gives me a different perspective of what is going on in our school system. It's, it's just, it's crazy to think we've come to this point in our nation where we do have to worry about doors being left open at a school. Yeah. Do you foresee 
us ever getting to a point where we're going to have to literally put a, a fence around a school or maybe certain school buildings to better protect the students? You know, in a lot of areas that already is the case. Um, and we ne don't necessarily have that here. Um, but again, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, did I think we would be worried about a, a rock being propped in a door? Yeah. Yeah. So it, in some areas, I guess, where there's more crime, it's not uncommon to see a fence surrounding oh, a school. Or even just a higher number of population. Um, so wherever your population density is, you may have a school that is that is fenced in. And right now, I know all the high schools, in fact, all the schools have Rutherford County School Resource Officers out there. But about how many SROs are at each high school? Yeah, we have two at each one of our um, traditional high schools. And is that number going to grow in the future? You know, something that we are struggling with as educators, and I know that our law enforcement is struggling with as well as retention um, and just promotion. And so whether it looks like that or looking at different areas for safety, I think we have to be open to all of that. And there has been a lot of talk nationwide about should a teacher be able to go armed if received they prop you know if they receive the proper training to go armed is that something that we're ever going to look at or address in rutherford county specifically that would start at the state level before it ever got to us but right now no nothing no close to that no not at all again this morning our guest is dr jimmy sullivan he is the director of the rutherford county school system and if you have any questions feel free to text us at 615 893-1450 and if we haven't gotten to your question yet don't worry we'll get to it in just a little while again director of schools jimmy sullivan for the rutherford county school system in studio with us this morning we're going to take another quick break we'll take a look at the weather forecast and the traffic and then we'll be right back hi i'm larry castelli and i love living at adam's place the people here have a camaraderie that you don't see in other places and they kind of understand that you know sometimes you want to be left alone and sometimes you want company and that's certainly what you have here and I think the people here are wonderful. I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard across from Walmart. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Few scattered showers and thunderstorms possible late this afternoon. Mostly cloudy skies, a high in the low 90s. And for tonight, chance for showers and storms, cloudy, low near 73. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 76. Good morning. Still busy, but it's moving on 24 westbound up through the Hickory Hollow area. Lots of radar out here. Certain sections of 840 this morning. We've seen quite a bit actually on 840 over in Williamson County. Gatlinburg Wine Cellar. It's home of the world famous cotton candy wine. Check them out at GatlinburgWineCellar.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. Hey, hi, and hello there. Rutherford Issues with Brian Barrett. Fun lovers and truth seekers. Weekday mornings at 10 on WGNS AM FM online.
Closing Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 848, Rutherford County Schools Director Jimmy Sullivan on the air with us this morning. And uh, one of the areas that we haven't really touched base on base on yet is uh, school instruction and, and what kids are learning. And uh, first of all, how do you go about deciding, well, let's go with this textbook versus this one. Is that a state decision? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So I think it's important for all listeners and everyone to know that what is taught really isn't at the direction or discretion of the district or the teacher. You know, we have Tennessee state standards for every subject, all the way from kindergarten art to biomechanics. We have standards that the state of Tennessee says, this is what you're teaching. And so that is not at the discretion of a teacher. Instructional materials aren't necessarily at the discretion of a teacher either. Uh, We have state textbooks that are on an approved list that then we as a district have a team that can review that, but that all goes through a vetting process at the state level, and then we're able to choose from that list. Again, Director of Schools, Jimmy Sullivan with us. So you have some say, it sounds like, but not a whole lot. You still have something to to pick from. Yeah, and so that's that's something we wanted to make sure that, and we'll talk about that over and over over again with our parents and our community members over the next couple weeks and months ahead. Uh, We're about to start a new adoption process for, we'll have a new math book. Our math standards have changed as well. And so our community is going to be able to see firsthand that we didn't choose the math standards. We didn't choose what math books were on that list to be approved from. We get to choose from that list the state gives us um, and how that committee process works. Um, But we go with what is taught isn't necessarily at the discretion of the teacher, how it's taught, though. And that's where teacher professionalism and their judgment comes in. If I recall, I think it was maybe during the last school year even that the state of Tennessee, the Department of Education, they ask for people to fill out a, a questionnaire online and it was focused maybe on English and literature and, and what should be taught in the upcoming school year. Uh, so that's, I guess, the state actively looks for suggestions from the communities out there. They do. And it, you hate to say that it's somewhat hidden, but it is. Um, when you're looking at the state standards, there's always a revision process going in place. Uh, last year, it was a math standards revision. We will have a social studies and a science standard revision coming up in the next couple of years. Our job as a district is to make sure that our constituents and our parents and our Our students and teachers are aware of that. Um, Perfect example for me, I taught math and science, eighth grade chemistry. Chemistry was a topic in eighth grade. It was extremely hard for eighth grade kids to master because that's more of a concrete or more of an abstract topic when you're looking with 12 and 13 year olds. Unfortunately, that was moved to seventh grade. And so even though it was a harder skill, it was moved down. And there's not a teacher in Rutherford County or in Tennessee that had a decision on that. Credit recovery, that's something I assume has been around for a while. However, most parents never even heard that word brought up or those two words credit recovery brought up until COVID hit. It's actually a uh, state approved board policy that you are allowed to, if a student fails below a certain level, you can offer them to recover that credit instead of taking that whole course over again. It's expanded for us because of COVID. We offer that during the summer. That will be going away because each high school has a credit recovery program and we want to make sure our students know they need to focus during the school year and not just let the entire year go by and know I can make it up in four weeks in the summer. So a student coming in, let's say from another district, who needed to make up something in credit recovery but did not have the opportunity because of maybe moving from one town to another, what's going to happen as they enter into this upcoming school year in Rutherford County? It's really going to depend on their transcript. So we'd have to look at each individual kid to see do they need to retake the course, Did they were they enrolled for the entire course, um, 
So there's multiple things, and we have graduation coaches and school counselors. So it's really a student case by case. But we have two options. If a kid fails below a certain level, they have to retake the course. But if they're 60 or above right now, because our grading scale is changing, um, so I probably need to hit on that in just a second. Um, so they have that option to do credit recovery. And so what is the, the, the grade level changing to? Yes. I guess if you're getting a 60, if you're getting a 70, what, what are we looking at there? Yeah, so the state of Tennessee changed that. Um, this goes into effect August 1st. We are now modeling across the state uh, a more of a college traditional grading scale. So 90 to 100 is an A, 80 to an 89 a B, and all the way down to a 60 being a D. So we as a district only had to do that 9 through 12. However, for our parents, we went ahead and did that 3 through 12. So all 3rd through 12th graders will have that same grading scale. So when you look at a grade of, let's say, 60, that is going to be a D. What did it used to be, an F? That would have been an F, yeah. 69 and below would have been an F. And again, that's one of those that I'm sure our parents are going to have opinions both ways, um, but that was out of the realm of our control. We could control 3rd through 8th graders, but we didn't want parents who had a 6th grader thinking, is this a B? And then for their other kid, it's an A. Do you think that change was made because of how far behind some students became during COVID? No, what we were noticing across the state is our students were not necessarily at an advantage. Most of the neighboring states use that grading scale already. And so when our kids were going in potentially with a higher grade, but their GPA would be lower moving past into post-secondary. And so we wanted to make sure as a state we were matching those. So when those students moved on to college, would it show up on a transcript as a written number or would it have showed up as, well, he got an F in this when he could have gotten at least a D? Yeah, no, it's strictly going to show up as that letter because everything wow. at the high school level is based on their GPA. And if they would have gotten a C, you know, that would be two points to where if they were on a different grading scale, they would have gotten three points. So that could have really hurt some students. Absolutely. Yeah, the state of Tennessee, our kids, if we weren't on that, that grading scale, was hurting them. Okay, so let me get this right. So last year we were not on that roughly 10-point system. Now we are back on it. Yes, and so it's we are on that grading scale now moving forward. So it's not going backwards. Um, but it's moving forward 90 to 100. So in the past year, students who were in other neighboring districts, such as, uh, oh, I don't know, Bedford County, Davidson County, which was just Nashville Metro, mm -hmm. Sumner County, were they on that same system or are they already on this whole, you know, 60 is now a D? Each district had their own option to do that. Um, at the high school level, though, it was 93 to 100. Okay. So we're going to see some changes there. Obviously, this could work out well, I guess, for a lot of students who are seniors, especially about to go into college at the end of this upcoming school year. Uh, so it's a positive? It is. The only thing I'd be careful about is we want to make sure our kids don't just think that, oh, I can do less and still get a better grade. You know, when you're dealing with adolescents, that sometimes is that mentality. Um, and we don't want to make sure they think that the expectations are lower. And one of the things that we have here in Rutherford County is a virtual school and, and it's not a school that was started because of COVID, but yet it started around the same time that COVID hit us. It did. It's um, going into its third year. So we have capped it at the high school level of 250 students um, just because those are not our teachers. We have a couple teachers, but usually that is all contracted out just for logistical purposes. Um, so it, about 450, 500 is our typical enrollment if you're looking at it third through 12th grade. And in that virtual school, is the exact same subject that's taught at, let's say, Blackman High School taught online as well? It is, um, and especially with that same state standards that are outside of our control, it's going to be the, the same textbook as we move forward. It's the same standards. It's, it's the same. And are the teachers who are teaching in that virtual school, are, are they 
Rutherford County local teachers? Third through eighth grade are, um, and then we have math as well, and um, a little a couple other courses that we incorporate the high school level. But again, it wouldn't be in looking at fiscally conservative. It would not be fiscally responsible for us to hire a teacher for one course of Latin, for example, to teach at the virtual school. But now the principal position, because there is a principal Correct. at the virtual school. Is that something that's local? It is. Yes, we actually have a building at, at the John Coleman Annex, and all of our teachers are housed over there as well. Hey, that's interesting. It's interesting to have an all virtual school, but so far, from what I understand, it has received some some high marks, I guess, from parents and students alike. Yeah, I think it's just a, that other option, providing parents uh, something that may work a little bit different from them. Uh, we find that some parents need that. Uh, and again, you mentioned it started during COVID and some parents had an understanding that it was going to be like instruction was during COVID and that's not the case. It's truly a, a classroom experience just um, from somebody from their house, but they're still going to have to log in, be involved with the teacher, turn lessons in, all that. And instruction during COVID, it, it was a, a massive time of change because Honestly, I don't think a lot of school systems, teachers were prepared for this all of a sudden overnight change. And that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, the best way I know how to put it is technology was a way to integrate teaching and learning. And then it very quickly became the way to access teaching and learning. And you had some teachers who are, let's say, over 60 and not picking on any age group, but they were not used to only communicating online. And, and that's what it really boiled down to all of a sudden overnight you're talking to students only online not in person yeah, and as educators you either went into it for the love of the content or the love of your students and that's a different interaction when you're having that online compared to in person so a lot of teachers that's where they get their strength is having that relationship with the kids and it's it's a different to create that in a virtual environment it's got to be a lot harder to create that one-on-one -on -one, you know feeling to say you know hey i'm your teacher i'm here for you if you need help it's harder to say that or communicate that online. I think all of us have probably done a Zoom meeting or two or dozens over the last couple of years. And it's just a different not being there with that person side by side. It's, it's just a different relationship. Are we going to see the possibility of cancellation of classes this upcoming year because of things like COVID? Is that thought of or is it, you know, on the radar at all? To say that it's not on the radar, it's always on the radar. We always have to be aware. I think that was the lesson learned is we have to be aware of it. However, when we're looking at it, uh, Tennessee actually is no longer contact tracing or even reporting necessarily updated numbers. Daycares are no longer required to do contact tracing to report that. And so we're, although it is, of course, still very much a, something that is on our radar, we are looking forward to a traditional school year. Again, our guest today has been Dr. Jimmy Sullivan with the Rutherford County School System, the director of the schools. And if anybody has questions after this show or if they listen to our podcast, then have questions, what's the best thing they could do as far as communicating? Is it calling the district office or is it calling the individual schools? School level is always going to give you the easiest amount of information because they are they are more closely connected to what's going on day to day. However, I'm always happy to answer any questions. If they call the district office, I'll be happy to talk with anybody. Again, Dr. Jimmy Sullivan, director of the Rutherford County Schools, our guest today. And thanks for listening.